Hey Megs, this is Marion and you're listening to Megs Moments, a podcast about all things related to entrepreneurship, business, millennials, and pop culture. This is episode number 17. Today on the podcast, I have a very, very, very special guest with me. And I have to say, um, it's it's her job in particular that makes me really excited. Um, growing up, I used to watch like Four Weddings, Say Yes to the Dress, all of that good stuff. And so being able to sit here with her and just getting to know her a little bit more is, is I'm sure it's going to make everybody's day. So I'd like to welcome to the podcast, Grace. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you for having me. No worries. Thank you so much for joining us. So Grace, can you just uh, give us a quick overview of yourself uh, as well as your business and what it is you do? Okay. So hello, everyone. My name is Grace Mary Arhan, but most people know me as Grace Arhan. I have an event planning firm called Grace Arhan Events. Uh, We are an event planning and wedding planning company, but our first love our weddings we love all things weddings we love love stories all that mushy stuff that makes uh grooms to be um crawl uh we just love it so um a little bit about myself um i am a daughter i am a sister and a wife and a mother of three i have two sons and a daughter they range from the ages of of 12 to 3, 3 going on 30. Oh, <laughs> oh, um, so I grew up, so I was born in France, actually. Um, so my parents did the great migration from Ghana. So I am Ghanaian Canadian. Both of my parents were born and raised in Ghana. Um, they did, um, I, you know, there's quite a few people that were born in, in Europe. And it's not as fancy. A, a lot of times when I tell people I was born in France, they're like, ooh, and I'm like, no, trust me, it, it, it's it's not that exciting. Um, it was just part of their journey of, you know, um, for lack of better words, finding the Canadian dream. So um, I was a little bit of an unexpected surprise um, throughout their journey. So we moved to Canada, um, Montreal first, when I was about eight months old. So um, like I said, all of my life has been here in Canada. Um, so what led to event planning? Um, a lot of people ask me that question all the time. It is not something I dreamt about growing up. I too enjoyed watching, um, I believe it was TLC, Channel 34, (laughs) Um, for weddings, say yes to the dress. And I would have my own grades and everything like that for how great a wedding experience was. But it was never on the list of things that I wanted to be growing up. On the top of my list, actually, I wanted to be an actress. But growing up in a typical Ghanaian Canadian household, first generation, no, that was shut shot down very quickly. Um, then I was like, okay, I'll go the professional route. I want to be a politician or a lawyer. That too was shot down by my father. Um, my father ran a very strict household. Um, so for him, he wanted me to be a doctor. So we compromised and I became a nurse. So I did attend the University of Windsor. I did my undergraduate in nursing there. Um, so like I said, in my household, um, my parents were very reserved and conservative. Um, their lifestyle was home, work, church, home, work, church, and repeat. Their social life was church. And yeah, um, so I think 
the lack of social stimulation is probably what gave birth to um, the event planner in me, so to say, um, because I would go to school and I would hear these stories of my friends having, you know, cousins over for large birthday parties or family gatherings or summer vacation. They did all these wild, adventurous things. And for us, it was home church yeah so um one thing that does really stand out though surprisingly is that birthdays were somewhat of a big deal there was always a a cake purchase Mm -hmm. um but again it was cut at church with friends but those are some of my fondest memories so that that carried through with me where um in my adolescence and um, my early adulthood I was that friend that would not let you forget that my birthday was coming up so that meant doing extensive research in the city of you know the newest and trendiest uh, restaurants but particularly I was interested in restaurants that would have private event spaces because I wanted to create an experience for my friends and family this was in high school or when you were in university i would say um high school so like about 18 um and then throughout university as well so because i'm a summer baby i would be home um so even though i went away for school i'd be home for my birthday so that never put the brakes on me planning my elaborate birthday celebrations and whether it was a milestone or not my birthday is getting acknowledged and my birthday is getting celebrated. So I would always be that friend that my friends would call up and say, hey, I want to do X, Y, and Z. You always seem to know the great spots to celebrate. What would you recommend? What should we do? Um, Then came my own wedding. So I had a whopping 500 guests. At my own wedding. <laughs> Were they like invited? In 500 invited, I'm pretty sure I had uninvited guests show up because my um, my in-laws and my, my dad has had his own list as well. Um, we tried to enforce um, the invitation only thing at the door. That didn't really work out because, again, I got married almost seven years ago and invite only was was considered disrespectful almost. Yes. So, you know, peers that had gotten married before me or, you know, friends and family were like, oh, I heard wedding planning is so stressful and you're probably going to be so relieved when it's over. And I would just nod and not say much, but I could not relate to that experience because I actually was enjoying it. I mean, for sure it came with its own stresses, but I was actually thriving on that. And I enjoyed meeting up with vendors, searching vendors, vetting them through, hiring my quote unquote, you know, all-star team that would help make my wedding dreams come true. And after my wedding, um, I felt a void. I was like, oh, I don't have any emails to follow up on. I don't have any meetings to go to. So then I would, um, I had people actually reach out to me for their own weddings, not necessarily to plan their wedding, but hey, who did you use for X, Y, and Z? And that was happening more and more. But I was starting to notice that event planning was becoming trendy. And a lot of people were were getting into it or all of a sudden that's when um, Instagram had first started. Instagram about six, seven years ago was not what it is now. I mean, if you got 10 likes, that was a big deal on Instagram back then. Um, But again, I didn't want to do what everyone else was doing. So there was a lot of resistance on my end. But when I look back at my wedding planning journey, um, my biggest frustration or my biggest stress was actually not being able able to execute what I had spent months planning because it was me myself 
getting married. I mean, yeah, I, I did all this wonderful planning, but I couldn't execute what I had planned. Mm-hmm. Yes, I did hire a coordinator and she did a fabulous job with her team. But the things that people told me I'd be resentful or the, the type of relief that people told me to expect, I didn't I didn't experience that at all. So fast forward now, I have my daughter, my last child, I'm on mat leave and I'm terribly bored, like terribly, terribly bored. Not bored enough that I want to go back to work, but bored that I I need something. Mm -hmm. So I told myself, and I remember this, that I'm going to give this a shot, this event planning world a shot, and I'm going to give it my all. It's not going to be a side hustle. It's not going to be, you know, a hobby of a bored housewife. It's going to be a legitimate business. And if I give it my all for a year and, and it doesn't work out, then... I'll walk away. Right. And I haven't looked back since. Wow. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That is long winded no, answer. That is, that is, that is, I'm, I'm still stuck on the 500 people. Right? Yes. Yeah. That is, yeah. Well, I, and I guess I kind of, you anticipate that as a, as a Ganyan or African person. Who's and raised in the church. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, and I think, I think now like parents are, like extremely invested in weddings they want their friends to be able to come to come and see that their kids getting married mm-hmm. so it comes with a, a, a pretty long list that's that's wow so yes. who, who inspired your wedding theme or vibe or did you kind of go on a limb and, and do i didn't go on a whim so my husband's favorite color is blue um i would have loved like a blush or a pink but i i felt okay he has to have a say somewhere <laughs> We did. We had June. June 22nd was our wedding. Um, So I use um, an orchid flower as my inspiration because um, there's a particular orchid flower that has like hues of like blue and indigo and purple um, and then kind of incorporated that in the centerpieces, the bridesmaids dresses, etc. Okay, so now when you decided you were going to become an event planner. Was there a process? Like, did you take a course or did you kind of, based on the connections that you had built up in your network, did you just kind of throw yourself into it? Uh, So it's a combination of both. Um, So the first wedding that I officially um, coordinated uh, was an acquaintance or a childhood friend who was getting married and um, was at her wit's end and was like, she's really stressed. Would I be able to to jump in and help her? And and there was a lot of hesitancy on my part. I'm like, "Mm, I haven't done this before. Like, I can do everything on paper, but you mean you actually want me there on the day of the wedding? Oh, okay, I'll do that. So I did that, and I was like, oh, this wasn't as hard as I thought it would be. So after that, I did do some research on um, certification in Ontario and in Toronto. Um, And there are courses, like post-secondary courses, but I didn't want to go that route because they're about three, four years. So I became certified through the Wedding Planners Institute of Canada. So that is a um, two-day course. So I did do that, where I have my WPIC certification. Okay, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know these things. Yes. Like, we're so much. That's great. That's great. Now, I've heard you mention wedding planner and wedding coordinator. Mm-hmm. What What is the difference between the two? That's a really good question. So planner is someone that would work with a couple from um, the very beginning. So a couple get engaged and they haven't even secured a venue. They don't have a theme. They don't know what their budget would be. It's like starting from the very beginning right. um, and a wedding planner would join them through that journey. Um, I know there's a perception out there that if you hire a wedding planner, they hijack 
your dreams and your aspirations and your wedding and 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 they enforce what they want but no that's not it at all um a, a true wedding planner will sit down with a couple and find out what it is that they want because everyone wants something different i mean there's elements that are going to be the same from one wedding to another but everyone's wedding is not the same a wedding coordinator is a person that does the logistical execution on the day of the event okay. yeah okay so then as a wedding coordinator like when would you say you essentially get involved in the in the process because i i, I presume you can't just show up and be like okay well you've done all the planning let me just thank you, you for saying plan. that because you don't know how many consults i do where people are like no we got it so we just need you to come sure. on the on, on the oh, day okay. of and it's and again it, it's providing that education and not in a condescending way but letting them understand that i mean you could plan the best wedding ever but my team and i cannot just show up on the day of the event and make everything go tickety-boo um so typically about four to six weeks so my team and i um if we're doing coordination it's four weeks prior to okay. the event okay, okay. Mm -hmm. and so um, being a wedding planner, wedding coordinator, I presume there's a lot of networking and relationship building involved. You need um, to know what vendors to go to for certain things if your clients are not necessarily um, well versed in those particular areas. Mm -hmm. So how, how important has relationship building been for you and your business? It's the major currency in this business, right. major currency in this business. So I know that there's a saying that says that your net uh, work is your net worth. And that rings very true in the um, event industry world. Not so much even, I know some people have the perception, particularly clients, oh, well, if you know so-and-so vendor, then they'll give me a discount. Right. Not necessarily, but if I have a relationship with this vendor, it makes them sit upright when they're dealing with you. It makes vendors more attentive, more responsive. Mm -hmm. it, it does suck, but it, it, it is the reality. It's right. really so much about who you know in this industry. Um, and it gives clients that um, faith and that confidence in you as an event planner that you know what you're doing right. um, because if you go to a planner and they're like yes I've worked with this venue before and I have a relationship and they can even name individuals from a certain venue or they can name certain individuals from a company that they've worked with before it also shows that that um, event planner is trustworthy mm -hmm. so uh, relationships um, networking is critical I know that um, it's very easy to hide behind the screen and follow certain companies and double tap and like but it goes beyond that. It's really having that human connection um, and and building a reputation for yourself in this industry and, and like um, and vice versa yeah, as well. Right. right. And yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that because I'm sure and you had made a comment about how at one point everybody was becoming an event planner. It was kind mm -hmm. of like the thing to do. I think oftentimes people disregard the reality of how much work like groundwork you have to put into that's right uh, these types of businesses so prior to becoming a wedding planner and starting your business had you already built a lot of relationships with people involved in this industry or did you have to establish these relationships and what was that like so i had to establish the relationships um because it's not an industry like i said that i went to school with or even have a, a family business in it or anything like that so i was really building from the ground up so when I initially started, I did a lot of interning. And that's also another thing that I find um, people nowadays don't want to intern or they don't want to intern for free. I worked for free with established um 
individuals in the industry so that I could build those connections. Mm -hmm. So even if it was something that I felt I already quote unquote knew, I went in with the intentions of learning because you never know good or bad. There's always takeaways from a situation. So I used interning and volunteering for other event planners as an opportunity to to really um, grow my network. Also attending um, venue open houses so that I could meet the people that are running the show so that when I do send a follow-up email, I could put a, a name to it. So it's different when someone sends you a cold email and says, hello, my name is so-and-so. It's different when you can write, hello, so-and-so, and insert the person's name. I was at your open house on X and X day. Your food was fabulous. It personalizes mm-hmm. that. So um, yeah, it was a lot of, like I said, interning, attending open houses, um, and even um, through social media. So leveraging social media, there would be companies that I would follow, but then following up with an email to say, hey, seeing your work on social media, I really love it. I would love to connect. So there was a lot of coffee and latte invitations at Starbucks and Tim Hortons. Right, and I think places like social media are becoming extremely key in how people are networking and connecting with one another. That's really, honestly, through word of mouth I had heard about you, but I had Mm -hmm. also been following you on social media, and that prompted me. Mm -hmm. Just in seeing the way aesthetically you had displayed your business, it prompted me to to contact you as well. So social media indeed is a really big part of event planning, and even in business legitimacy these days. So when you see um, things like Bella Nija, mm-hmm. <laughs> you see things like I do Ghana mm-hmm. as an event planner are you telling yourself okay I need to go into this event that I'm planning or this wedding that I'm planning or even this baby shower that I'm planning with the hopes that I'll end up on one of these Instagram pages that does that provide like an extra level of validation or legitimacy to you? Ah, that's a really good question. So yes and no. So never, I never go in an event with the intention of this is going to be viral worthy. It's more again, and it goes back to that first consultation um, meeting that I have with uh, a client is what type of experience do you want to generate for your guests and through what do you want to stimulate this experience is it through the food is it through the decor is it through the entertainment if you consistently produce good work your work will speak for itself Mm -hmm. and that's how it started and again in the very beginning when I started like social media was not what it was like I'm sure the I do Ganas, the Bella Nijas, the Munaluchi Brides, all of those platforms existed, but not to the level of what it is now where things it's like, oh, we got to post so it could be reposted and then um, put in the right hashtag. So there wasn't that intention of having um, an Instagram worthy or even a Pinterest worthy event. It was I need to have a good event so that the guests will go back and talk about it and the clients will talk about it. So um, although Instagram is one of my number one lead generators and that's how it's it's really useful to me to leverage it as a social media platform my second lead generator is referrals so word of mouth um it's the experience that either members of the bridal party the family friends that attended the wedding or even the couple themselves or the clients what they tell others about their experience working with my company and I but is it gratifying to see your work reposted? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I, I feel you on that. Mm-hmm. Again, these these bridal wedding pages mm-hmm. are like 
a really big deal. Like I had yeah. a few of my cousins got married over the last few years, mm-hmm. and it was just, hey guys, hashtag Nigel, <laughs> your page is private. They're not going to be able to see. Yeah. It's like, and as silly as it sounds, like it, it, it really is a big deal. It is a big deal. You also realize that a lot of brides that DIY up into a certain point mm-hmm. are getting a lot of inspiration from events that you plan and a lot of the other brides that you're helping. So I think these particular pages do hold a lot of importance. So. Let's take a, a few steps back to the inception of your business. I mm-hmm. think a lot of people love to be like, okay, I'm ready to start my business. Let's get going. You know, the first thing that you have to do is try. But what people don't really think about is money. Yes. Right. So <laughs> how did you go about funding uh, your business? Okay. So I do work full time. So that's a misconception that a lot of people have. And I, I think it's because of my social media presence right. that I... <laughs> I've created this story in a lot of people's minds that, oh, she does this full time. I wish I'm not there yet. Um, I still work full time. So my full time job funds my business. So um, I am a sole proprietor business for now. I have not incorporated. So my business is registered in the province of Ontario. um, And I have used um, my own personal funds to fund the business, um, but have scaled the business to a point. And it's still a goal and a business plan for the business to then fund itself. Right, yeah. right. So, and and in doing that, were you kind of like, okay, before I officially, like, before I become official, I'm going to create a savings account for this? Or was it kind of like, okay, I know I have this money. Let's just jump right into it and, and get to it. I wish I had known the things that I know now. So I did jump in. Like, I, I am a very passion-driven individual, and sometimes it's to my own demise. Um, but throughout the years, um, I have opened uh, a business account because there are perks to that. Right. Um, having an, a business accountant is something new that I've done this year. And I, I hang my head in shame saying that because others are like, what, Grace? You need to have an accountant for your business. You have to separate the personal funds right. from the business funds. Right. But it was so easy for me to to muddle the two because my personal funds were funding the business. Right. But if you were to sit down with an accountant, how do you know what you're going to write off what is a business expense Mm -hmm. versus a personal expense so having um, a business uh, account with a bank um, and you know um, having a card that's attached to that as well has made it easy so that I can really identify what really is coming out of the business in terms of expenses and then also what's coming in from Mm -hmm. clients as well it's also helped with pricing that is um a a thorn in every business owner's side in terms of pricing and i get it as a consumer we have so many options nowadays so Mm -hmm. most of the time yes we are window shopping and we want the best value for our dollar um but as a business owner on the flip side of that i had to start time tracking as well because i'm service-based and i'm not product-based sometimes it is hard to communicate value right right? because people are like what you're charging x and x amount for just sending emails to vendors but no it's it's intellectual property it's my time it's my gas all of that um so over the again like i said i wish i knew the things that i i knew now three years ago when i started the business but it's all part of the learning right right and and so you did mention time tracking which Mm -hmm. is i think one thing that people that work in the service industry don't Mm -hmm. necessarily think about Mm -hmm. so has starting your business created Or made you realize your own uh, personal value a little bit more? Yes, absolutely. Time is money. (laughs) It really is. I mean, even sitting down to write like a two paragraph email, that all takes time. 
It does. Yeah, for yep. sure, for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. So you did mention that you're a nurse. Mm-hmm. You run your your side hustle, which looks like a main hustle because you're doing <laughs> it so well. You're a wife and you're a mom. Yes. And so one question that I love, love, love to ask people is: Do you think you figured out work life balance? It does not exist. It does not exist. There's no <laughs> such thing. Place. There's no such thing. What it is is that you learn to juggle. Mm. You learn to juggle. You will never give one area of your life 100%, but you're going to have to start making some decisions so that you can give your best to every area Mm -hmm. of your life. So um, for me, I don't work the traditional nursing role, so that helps me. Um, abundantly because if I worked in a hospital setting where I was working 12 hour shifts, there is no way. So I work um, in a non-traditional healthcare um, environment where I can leverage my time between my work and also um, the business. Um, Also, I have a very supportive spouse. Like, let's just keep it real. Yay! Yay. (laughs) Shout out to Boo. Um, So when I'm away, either out of country, like I just came back from a trip last week and he held it down with the three kids. And I don't think everyone can can say that. So I'm always grateful for that. I have a very supportive spouse and very supportive extended family as Mm -hmm. well that can help with the kids. Um, And honestly, burning that midnight oil. So, yeah, you, you, you have to grind it out. But to say that uh, a work-life balance, but don't get it twisted. I, and I think that's why people have the perception that I am doing event planning full-time. I like to have a good time. <laughs> I do like so to have. Still, like, socially, you're still. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. That's awesome. important to me. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. And I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned how supportive your, your spouse is. <laughs> Prior to, and obviously because you started your business while the both of you were married, mm-hmm. was this a conversation that you had? Or was it kind of like, hey, well, I already made up my mind. And as my husband, you're kind of just going to go with the floor. Like, what was, what was the conversation like? The latter. <laughs> well, okay. Like I said, I'm very passion driven. So it was like, I really want to do this. I really, really, really want to do this. So I found a course. It's called the WP and just gave him like verbal diarrhea. And it was, and I'm sure he was like, Okay. Yeah. Let's. So again, that's why I'm very grateful to the level of support that he provides because he did not marry an event planner. So everything that's coming with it right now, it's not like he knew about it and Mm -hmm. signed up for that. Mm -hmm. That came after marriage. So yeah. Right. right. Mm -hmm. And so I'm sure your kids see you and they're just like, man, mom's doing 10 million things. Well, your daughter's three, so Mm -hmm. she's internalizing that per se. But how important is it? to to you for your kids to be able to see you being this awesome nurse and being this awesome um, business owner and being this awesome mom um very important so one of um my aspirations or my goals is to create generational worth um and i think the influence of my parents being first generation immigrants from ghana has also played a big role in that and i want my kids to see not that i want to hand them things on a silver platter because i don't have the silver platter i'm still working (laughs) to create that silver platter whatever that may be in a figurative or literal um manner i want them to know that like literally the sky is the limit like literally i know that you know you hear that and there's all these fuzzy sayings even on social media when you log on there's all these like inspirational quotes but I want them to see that mommy is living and breathing and, and embodying that in every sense wow, that's yeah. amazing. and so you did discuss that you do have a team 
what's it been like, I guess, what was it like assembling the team? And what's it been like being a boss? <laughs> uh, so I'm a Leo. So being bossy comes naturally. <laughs> it comes naturally. But again, um, my biggest struggle is learning to delegate. So it, it took a couple of not so great experiences to realize you can't do this by yourself, mm-hmm. Grace. You need help. Um, so creating a team, um, I mean, it has its highs and lows because I think, especially when you've created a business from inception, it's literally your baby. Right. Uh, like I call the business my fourth child because that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and to to give that trust over to someone is something that requires a high level of being vulnerable, like yes. vulnerability. Yeah. Um, and innately, that's not a quality that I have. So it's a struggle that I have where I have to learn to be vulnerable. I have mm-hmm. to learn to let others in. I have to learn to trust. Um, and also I have to learn to, to build up because I live in my headspace a lot. My my head is like a computer where I have multiple tabs open at the same all the time, multiple tabs open all the time. So sometimes I get frustrated even in my personal life because I'm expecting people to know what it is and I'm I, I'm thinking or feeling, but I have to take a couple steps back and realize, no, Grace, you need to articulate what it is that you want. So that's what it's been like with the team is that a lot of things that come to me, maybe intuitively, I have to learn to communicate that. But it's it's a rigorous process. So everyone will say, oh, my gosh, I love what you do. I would love to work with you. But not a lot of people want to roll up their sleeves mm-hmm. and work. So it, you know, event planning looks like, and it might be the movies like J-Lo's movie, The Wedding Planner, or all the shows that we watched growing up. We think it's such a cute job. You show up in heels. You tell people what to do. You help the bride fluff her dress. It is, it's work. It's work. You're managing personalities. You're managing budgets. You're managing meltdowns. Family dynamics come to the brim during weddings. And you're having to be politically astute. You have to exercise professionalism. Mm-hmm. When de- So it's not just a pretty fancy job. And I think people from the outside have that perception when they're coming in, when they show interest in joining the team, and then they get a rude awakening. So there is turnover sometimes mm-hmm. because people realize it's not what they signed up for and for me it's anticipating that and then rolling with the punches and kind of being proactive in terms of recruitment and laying out the expectations Mm -hmm. so I have an assistant planner who is amazing like she is a boss um and you know I may have a hard exterior but I'm actually very mushy inside um where she lays down the law mm-hmm. it's like no this is the strategic plan this is the vision and this is the target that we're working so towards balance. so a good balance okay, for well, sure well. and you always hire um in your weaknesses so where you're not great and where you don't excel at so for me it's numbers i don't like numbers <laughs> i don't like math i'm sorry my grooms because the grooms are all about numbers um so i've ensured to hire in areas where I may not necessarily excel in. Right, that's important, that's important. Okay, cool, let's talk weddings, let's talk events now, because Mm -hmm. again, my Say Yes to the Dress Heart just (laughs) has so many questions, all right? Okay. So, in a wedding, who's your favorite person to deal with? Is it it mom, is it dad, is it uh, the bride, the groom, bridesmaids? I'm sure you deal with some interesting characters. Oh. Who's your most favorite? 
and brides, if she doesn't say you, don't be offended. Okay? <laughs> I'm actually going to say the bride. Okay. It is the bride. Um, but you know what's been really shocking lately is how involved grooms are lately. Like, you know, before grooms were like, okay, whatever, it's her day, yeah. whatever she wants. Mm-mm. That has not been my experience lately. I call them groomzillas. Oh, yeah, so yeah, they're very invested. Even all down to what the bride is going to wear or what bridesmaids will. Yes, grooms are very invested. But no, I'm I'm a hopeless romantic. So my favorite person to deal with is the bride. Okay, that's yeah. awesome. So, so as the wedding planner, have you ever gone like uh, dress shopping with a bride? Or yes, I have a few brides that, um, for one reason or another, most of the time it's because they don't have a like their mom either has passed away or right. mom doesn't live in the country, and I've gone dress shopping with them for a few but it's not often and so yeah. say yes to the dress like really like is it's, that real. Real? it's real oh, <laughs> it's real it's a real thing but i will say please brides pick who you're gonna go with very carefully mm. very careful because i have seen dress shopping go south oh, yeah based on who oh, came so along to know the tv shows like real yeah, yeah. sometimes i see some of the bridesmaids and i'm like are you guys going to be friends? Yes. Oh, we need a whole podcast about that. Actually, no, you know what? Let me, let me, let's, let's ask that question. So I've been seeing a lot of weddings lately where, mm-hmm. you know, the bride, the bridesmaids and the, the groomsmen, they range. Mm-hmm. On average, do you think that there should be like a set amount of oh. you should have in your wedding? Less is more. Less is more because again, you're you're having to manage personalities, right. and as a couple getting married, you're already stressed by multiple factors. Mm-hmm. You don't need multiple opinions to then have to worry about and juggle and appease. And I don't like this hairstyle, and I don't like this color, and this doesn't suit my body type. I think that's also an expectation that another uh, a lot of couples need to set now mm-hmm. is that. I'm asking you to be a part of my day. And that means honoring my wishes. Sometimes it may be something that you don't want, but I'm asking you to be part of my day. Mm -hmm. So that that means you may be a little uncomfortable. But then on the flip side of that too, couples also need to be very upfront with their bridal party in terms of the financial responsibilities that come with. So it's not just about taking selfies um, (laughs) and being, you know, active on Snapchat and Instagram on the day of the wedding, but it costs money. Mm -hmm. It costs money to plan a wedding and and be the couple that are getting married, but it also costs money to be either a groomsman or a bridesmaid. Yeah, Yeah. yeah. And weddings are... everything's going all out and and I'm so glad you mentioned that because Mm -hmm. so my friends are now starting to get married before Mm -hmm. I was kind of like I go to weddings for people like at my church now my friends are starting to get married but they're inviting me to the showers and then like the bachelorettes Bachelorettes. we need to keep it cute like I love you guys (laughs) but let's let's find a good a good minimum so Mm -hmm. it just makes me think like on average and I guess this may range but how much should people be expecting to spend on a wedding um, as the couple plan in the wedding, see, it's hard to give a number because it's the guest count that drives everything. Okay. It is the guest count that drives everything. And then factors like, are you going to be doing a sit down meal versus a buffet? Are you going to have really over the top elaborate decor? So it's hard. I know it's a question I get all the time. How much should I, you know, budget for, for what? And I can't say it really, it really yeah. On what you want and what you're interested 
interested in having. For sure. Okay, fair enough. And so let's talk colors. I think sometimes people come up with color schemes and Mm -hmm. they're like, yes, this is what I want my bridesmaid to wear. It looks so great when I saw it on the wall at the mall. But it may not go with your bridesmaids. What, what what are some tips you can give us on picking out appropriate color themes for your wedding? Um, so color themes don't have to be in the bridal party attire. Ooh, I, okay. I find that a lot of people are narrow minded. And when they think color, they think attire. But that's mm-hmm. not that's only one way of incorporating color. You can incorporate color in your stationery. So your invitation suites mm-hmm. or even if you're going to have menu cards on the table, it could just be a pop of color because what I always say to my couples is that at the end of the day, yes, you want it to be reflective of who you are as individuals, but you also want it to be timeless. You don't want to cringe when you look at your wedding photos or your wedding video because you picked something that was overly trendy. Mm-hmm. Yes, trends will come and go, but there are certain things that are timeless. So if you're a bride that's adventurous and most are not, mm-hmm. most don't want color. And I actually love brides that like color. Incorporate it in subtle ways. The cake, your wedding cake could be one aspect that you incorporate color. Um, your florals as well. So it doesn't have to be a tire. So I, I feel you on that one. Sometimes yeah. you see the bridesmaids and you can tell they hate the color yeah. that has been chosen for their dresses taffeta lime green but i mean i guess like you were saying if you, if you agree to be in somebody's wedding normally what they want kind of goes right okay so let's and, and i know this is not for the brides but for the bridesmaids mm-hmm. how do we deal with the bridezillas <laughs> Communication. Um, Oftentimes, even for me, I will have like the sweetest bride that I'm working with over the months. And then towards the end, it's like very curt responses. And I'm like, but I've learned again, it's all about the psychology of people there's stressors and there's multiple stressors all happening at the same time. So I would say really like communicating with the bride and not flat out asking what's um what's wrong with you why are you being so x y and z Mm -hmm. but just like maybe she just needs an escape from the wedding planning because when you're getting married now you become like it's like the wedding becomes your identity everyone sees you and it's no longer hey how are you doing hey how's wedding planning Mm -hmm. oh what are you doing for this oh you and then all this un you know solicited advice is coming your way so again just treat her like the friend that she's always been and give her an opportunity to escape because uh, oftentimes when someone is a bridezilla it it's it's stemming from somewhere and they're Mm -hmm. projecting it Mm -hmm. as a bride but then also um some introspect as bridesmaids is are you guys really being supportive are you that's a very good question are you really being supportive I think sometimes people yep. think they're doing a lot, but they're doing the bare minimum. Exactly. That's a very good question. Yep. So pick your bridesmaids wisely. Yes, please, please. I feel like guys have an easier time. It's kind of like, oh yeah, my boy. Yeah, and I find the groomsmen or the friends of the groom. It's like, oh, I wasn't chosen. That's cool. Like open bar. All right, I'm there. I'm there. Whereas in bridesmaids or friends of the bride, and I think that's where we're starting to see like the nine, ten, twelve bridesmaids. 
it's guilt. Mm -hmm. And then those are the individuals that then become the thorn in the, in the side. Because if you and someone have history, most of the time, because I've also seen like even blood relatives, I'm like, are you guys really sisters or are you guys really cousins? But most of the times, the very supportive maid of honors and bridesmaids that I have seen are the ones that have history with a bride. The far removed like second cousin or, you know, the uh, college or university roommate Mm -hmm. that they haven't really connected with that much but they're just putting them in because their feelings will be hurt that's usually where the problems stem from right yeah great advice Mm -hmm. all right now let's play a quick game i need you to pick one item Mm -hmm. which you would prefer which you would recommend your bride go with all right okay okay so it's dinner time do Mm -hmm. we do buffet or are we served the food served please um buffet takes longer because of the lineups also people get frustrated and they're like oh my table number wasn't called i'm still getting up and i'm getting in line which then impacts the rest of the people who are being um patient and and waiting mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and it's just like again i'm always thinking logistics right because then you have to think are there two entry por- uh points or multiple entry points for people who are going out to line up in the buffet versus those who have already gotten their food that are going to come back Mm -hmm. it's just yeah and then it's hard to time speeches for a buffet because then you have to wait for everyone to finish eating because you can't time it with the kitchen for um bringing out the food and clearing the food because usually we would time we time speeches in between um meals i didn't even think about this yeah okay (laughs) all right so, um, at the bar, open bar, closed bar, or cash bar? <laughs> Not cash. You are a host. You are a host when you're throwing a wedding. If you're going to do cash bar, I'll say just do a soft bar then. Don't do a cash bar. So, soft bar is just like soft drinks, okay. um, water, coffee, and tea. Okay. So, don't have any alcohol at all. If budget is an issue, maybe opt for like a welcome Prosecco when your guests come for the cocktail hour and a lot of times maybe only about 70% of your guests will show up for a cocktail hour so that's a good way or having some sort of signature drink mm-hmm. during your cocktail hour and then maybe just doing um, one bottle of red one bottle of white wine on the table for dinner and then just have it as a soft bar but um, yeah I'm definitely a fan of an open bar okay, fair. Yeah, yeah me too I agree yeah. I agree yeah <laughs> All right, so it's time for the wedding. Mm-hmm. Bride and groom, do they stick with one dress and one suit or two dresses and two suits? Because now this this is like a big fashion show at weddings. Groomers <laughs> are getting like the latest suits from Eden Miles. Yes. What would you recommend, two or one? Um, that's a tough question. Um, I'm all here for it, for the fabulousness. Um. For me, it goes back to a functional thing, especially for the bride. So if she's in a ball gown for the ceremony, it's a very poofy train and she won't be able to move and dance around as mm-hmm. easily in it, then definitely let's go for a sleek, sexy look mm-hmm. um, for the reception. Also, it could be um, religious or cultural reasons where um, some you know uh, faith institutions want you to have like covered right. arms and yeah. sleeves and things like that. So if a bride has to go more the conservative route than she would have loved to then she can show a bit more of her fun side but then don't jam pack your reception itinerary because we need to build in time for you to go and change and also um i've heard from a lot of guests that they find it annoying so usually what we do as a decoy is the dj will play music and all the guests are tired from sitting down for such an extended period of time so they're on the dance floor dancing 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 the the vibes are going and then it's like oh you got to sit down bride and groom are 
going to do second entrance. So think about those things as well. Again, going back to the guest experience. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, so th- this is probably like my favorite part of weddings, the decor components. Mm-hmm. Would you recommend live flowers or fake ones? Oh, don't call it fake, Marianne. <laughs> it's called silk flowers. No, 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 no. So, you know, uh, again, now with the evolution of the event industry, you'd be surprised at the quality that um, silk floral arrangements can produce. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I will always go for the fresh floral route, but there's a significant cost difference between right. fresh florals and silk florals and our average wedding that we do is 300 plus guests so that's about 30 plus tables depending if you're going to have tables of eights or tables of tens so that can add up very quickly because fresh floral arrangements if you whether you're looking at tall or short can range from 150 dollars each so you do the math that (laughs) that adds up very quickly so fresh florals would be my preference but don't knock the silk florals yeah and i guess you could do a mix depending you can yeah Fair enough. So uh, I've been seeing a lot of this at weddings lately. Live band or DJ? DJ. Okay. DJ. Any friends that I have there in live bands? Um, I don't find that it engages the guests as much and it doesn't bring them onto the dance floor. Mm -hmm. I find it's overstimulation as well. Um, However, it it, it also depends on the clients. So especially for my Nigerian clients, especially for their traditionals, live band is a must. Mm -hmm. It's a big Mm -hmm. deal. But no, DJ, DJ. Fair enough. And then the very last question before Mm -hmm. I get out of your hair Cakes or cupcakes? I don't know if the cupcake vibe is as popular now, but what, which would you recommend? Cake, but it doesn't have to be like five tiers. Okay. okay. It really doesn't. So I've had a couple of brides that have done like trio cakes. So they're about like eight to ten inches round they're single tiered Mm -hmm. but then they have like three cakes and then they like again your cake can be you need to incorporate your cake in your decor it's not just a standalone structure that sits behind the bride and groom so have them on like pedestals and candles and flowers around it like i feel like that's such understated elegance than these tar. i mean again no offense if that's your cup of tea that's your cup of tea Mm -hmm. but you don't have to have a five six seven tier cake that you need you know, a sword to right, cut through. Right. Yeah. I, do people still eat like wedding cakes? I feel like I've never, maybe the last wedding I went to, I tasted the cake, but I don't like, is, is that a piece that you feel like people, they end up eating or is that more they do if your venue is prompt and they bring it out with the coffee and tea station guests will help them not all of your guests but yeah guests do still look forward to eating wedding cakes um but what i do advise my couples is when they're setting their menus don't overstuff your guests so like if you have a three course meal that already has a dessert built into it like don't do a trio of cakes for your dessert and because then no one's no one's gonna want to eat mm-hmm. your wedding cake. So maybe have a crepe with ice cream, and then serve um, the wedding cake out in the foyer with coffee, tea, fresh fruits, things like that. Right, awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay, those are all great tips. So, um, in, in the meantime, is there anything cool coming up for Grace Arhan events? Anything cool, exciting that you can share with us? 
Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, so we're always scheming. <laughs> um, so at the end of every year, when we started this last year, we do what's called a holiday mixer. So it's literally a party, a cocktail party um, for our event industry friends, either um, colleagues that we've done events with throughout the year or just people that, again, we may follow on social media, but have never had the opportunity to connect with in person. So we have that the holiday mixer coming up on December the 15th of this year and then and also this year, I'm not sure if you saw, but we hosted a, well, we called it a workshop and we got feedback that workshop is not as bridal appealing, but it was, it's called, um, I'll do. So it's a, a pun. So literally the word I'll do as a pun on I do where we bring, um, event industry, um, professionals to come and talk about the wedding planning journey. Because again, I was noticing with a lot of my brides that when I would sit down and provide them information, they were like, wow, like. I didn't know this. And I felt like if my clients were in the dark about certain things, then I can imagine all the other brides that are probably feeling the same way. So um, it's a, a brunch style set in event with lot, lots of chic things and things to stimulate a bride and give her um, ideas for her own upcoming nuptials, but then also takeaways. So it's not just an afternoon of, you know, looking cute, but also tangible takeaways right. so that's coming up march 29th of 2020 and if brides are getting married next summer mm -hmm. should they already be calling you to plan their weddings or absolutely because we have some months that we are fully booked that we cannot 2020 i don't know what it is i it might be the repetitive numbers or that it's the beginning of a new decade mm -hmm. i don't know what it is but 2020 is going to be a hot year not just for weddings but even like just events in general um and again weddings are our first love but we also do other events as as well so yes um i would encourage anybody even if you're not reaching out to us but of course we want you to reach out to grace our events reach out at minimum eight months before your big day yep. awesome okay so if there are brides or bride-to-be's moms who are planning their kids first birthday people who want to plan events and they're listening to this podcast today where can they reach you? So you can find us on Instagram at Grace Arhin Events, one word. You can send us an email at info at Grace Arhin Events dot com. Awesome. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.